I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 141. Here's a Boo Crew Fright Fact. In 1998, the faculty, the role of Delilah, was originally offered to Charisma Carpenter that turned it down because it reminded her too much of her character Cordelia on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy herself, Sarah Michelle Gellar, was also offered the role but turned it down as well. It ended up going to Jordana Brewster. If you enjoy the show, please rate and write a review on Apple Podcasts. We are absolutely loving it. Yes, it is so fun. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Leo, you need to read this one. This latest review comes from Macy Baker. Woo! Kills it every single time. She writes, the Boo Crew is the best This show provides entertainment for days. They're hilarious and the interviews are so personal. Feel like they're family. Rating one heart and five stars. (laughs) I love the heart. That's That's so cute. Take that heart. I gotta say something about Macy. She's been with us for quite a while. Yes, she has. And, And she is a fucking phenomenal artist. Yes. Yeah, she is. She, it's insane. So she was drawing Grace from Ready or Not. Yes, Samara Weaving. Yes. And I showed it to my daughter. Like, we literally looked at it today. And, and she was like, how does she do that? And I was like, I don't know. She's like, but how? Like, can she come over and teach me? And I'm like, uh, I, I don't. Not right now, maybe. I was like, I'm not even sure where Macy lives. She's in Texas. Okay. Yeah, yeah Texas. Texas. Okay, well, maybe we're going to have to go visit Texas, but she was Hell fascinated yeah. by, and then we looked at, she did a Jennifer Check drawing. And, yeah, and she did Alex Wolf too, from yes. Hereditary with That's the right. crown. That's right. Yeah. But it looks yeah. like, it looks like photos. It's right? It's crazy. so good that it does yes. not look like illustrated yeah. by hand work. It looks like a photograph. It's amazing. It's right. crazy. Right. Scarlett was trying to like she's like is there gel pen like I you know maybe like I can talk to her <laughs> I was like okay maybe we'll set up like a session <laughs> it's you magic know, it's it's sorcery crazy. it's awesome and yeah, she's right? just really cool and she's super supportive of our podcast like she is always like yeah spreading the word and just saying such nice things and i consider her like family oh yeah every time yeah. she likes one of our insta stories my face lights up it's always good to, yeah. to hear from her. If you want to see some of her art, you got to go follow her at Macy B. Uh, it's M-A-C-I-B-E-E on Instagram. Yes. Shout out, Macy. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to read one from Zoner, Woo. who says, fun horror podcast. This is a fun horror podcast covering film, music, TV, Halloween haunts, etc., plus the best guest introductions in the business. Wow. Wow. Rating five stars. I got to say, wow. Thank you so much, Zoner. That is so nice. I don't know. Totally, man. I feel like I go a little long-winded on those introductions. Yes. I mean... (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, she agrees. No, but they're good. No. They're, they're I don't just know. like, you know what? It's hard to explain, and I'll try to explain it. You are just like so passionate about everything in life. And when these people come in and they do things that you wish you could do. Right. I think it just, it awakens something in you and you're just so amazed and you can put it into words so nicely. And it's just, it's a gift. Wow. Wow. Well, I thank you for saying that. I don't, I don't feel the same way about that. I feel like it's a struggle and I never know what to say whenever we get to meet these incredible people. But I feel like, I mean, exactly kind of what you said. I feel like you get a chance, you get one chance to make a first impression and to get a chance to speak with these people and you want to let them know what everybody feels. Like I feel like yeah. a part of it is you will kind of want to be the voice of everybody who loves what they do. It's true. So you right. try and think of the, just what someone would want to say in meeting them for the first time. Yeah. Like the love that all, all of us fans have for those people. So that's, that's the goal. I don't think it comes close to working, and that's why I think they tend to go on. <laughs> right, right. No, they're they're awesome, and thank you so much for noticing that. And it's really cool that you wrote a review, and that any of you sat and wrote a review. I just I feel so honored, and like genuinely just blown away. That yeah, it's t- it's like seriously touching. It like we it. I cannot tell you how much it means to us that you take the time to sit and do that. Uh, it really, yeah. it's an incredible. Yeah. Anytime we're like texting, like, oh my gosh, we got a new r- review. It's so exciting. And it's just, it's really nice because you, even we don't, you know, we're in this room, right? And we're doing this show like right now. And it's strange to think that there are people that aren't our friends because God knows our friends do not listen. <laughs> But and I can say that because you know sure. none of them. None are of them will hear it. Exactly. Right. But even the right. fact that like one person that we haven't met in person listens to this is crazy right. to us, yeah. and it means yeah. everything yeah. to us. So you listening right now mean everything to us. And when you take that time yes. to go to Apple Podcasts and write a review, like seriously, it's the world. You're getting a little teary eyed. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. So thank you. And if you want to leave us a review, that would be super awesome. We will read it on the show. Yeah, you can tell it means a lot yeah. to us. <laughs> Everybody's like, shit, fuck, I'm so tired of them reading reviews at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yes. And that said, uh, did we ever have a blast with our guest for this one? We swear, to know her is to love her. You will be instant BFFs with the charismatic and charming Magda Apinovich. She's been in everything from TV shows like Continuum, Kyle XY, Hellcats, most recently playing Joe Goldberg's mom on season two of You. 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 She was in You. Yeah. Oh my God. If you haven't seen You, you got to get into it. She was in Eli Roth's The Green Inferno, which is an insane movie. Oh my God. We had so much to ask her about that. We talk about her obsession with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, being attacked by pythons in the jungle, her favorite horror movies, meeting Quentin Tarantino, true crime. And her new must-see dark sci-fi thriller, it's called Volition. It's on VOD now. I think she describes it perfectly as true romance meets back to the future. It is so fun. Yeah, it's really, really good. 
We will warn you that there is a mild spoiler for the Green Inferno in that section of the chat, so just a heads up if you plan on checking out the Green Inferno. Otherwise, anything about Volition is spoiler free. Episode 141 is now playing. This is Magda Apnovich. You are stuck in a time loop reliving another episode of the Boo Crew. My mother died when I was seven years old in a car accident. I saw it two months before it happened. Jimmy in the flesh. So how's life? It's day to day, you know. I'm James. Angela. I got a proposition for you. I need you to do that thing you do in that head of yours. I need you to find safe passage for these. Maybe it's time you learned the truth about your condition. Screen. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is an absolutely magnetic actor who right at the beginning of her career, one of her first roles actually was in the Gemini award-winning series Cold Squad, followed by the Emmy-nominated The L Word, earned multiple nominations herself for her role as Alex Young in RenegadePress.com, went on to star in science fiction projects like The Andromeda Stain, Kyle Y, the Emmy-nominated show Caprica, alongside Eric Stoltz, went on to do CW's Hellcats, Continuum, The Magicians, iZombie, Supernatural, the horror films Dead Souls with Bill Mosley in 2012, an unforgettable performance as Samantha and Eli Roth's Green Inferno, and many, many more, including most recently playing Joel Goldberg's mom, Sandy, in season two of one of the best shows on Netflix in its history. Would you say so? Oh, it's hell yeah. You. All right. She yes. has this stunning ability to convey a sense of depth of character through all of her work that is absolutely undeniable. Her latest is a new genre thriller that has received incredible acclaim at festivals all around the world. Best feature at Thriller Chiller, official selection at Fright Fest. The list is endless. You've got to experience this film. It is a roller coaster ride. It's called Volition. It's available on VOD July 10th with us is one of its stars, Magda Apinovich. Yeah! 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 Holy (laughs) shit, that is like the best introduction I have ever had in my fucking life. You're kidding. Come on. Uh, Thank you. Wow, well, you well deserve, my gosh, your resume, the stuff you've done is just spectacular. But just the way you had excitement for everyone, like it was a discovery. It was incredible. Oh, wow. Well, well, thank you. Well, again, thank you for being here and congrats on this spectacular movie. We've all seen it. Now, you've lived through this film's successes at festivals and screenings over the past year. How does it feel to be at this point with things and people are going to be able to spend time with this in their homes? First of all, I love going to film festivals. You get to see some of the most incredible movies that are just, you know, people never get to see. Uh, And so anytime you do an independent film to know that it gets to get on a market where people can actually like a, a mass audience can watch is pretty unique. Yeah, I just can't wait. I mean, I've had a lot of fans who've um, messaged me and been like, I feel like I've been waiting forever for this movie. And I'm like, I know you have been because it's been forever. Because with independent movies, my God, it takes like three years sometimes to come out. And so, yeah, I'm really, really excited for it. It was um, a movie I just was really stoked to work on. I, I, I met Tony when I was like 18 and I'm like 100 right now. So 
this is like a long time ago. And I was in film school. He was graduating film school. And we had like this, um, you get to audition for your little short films at the end for your parts. And so there was this part in his movie I really wanted because she was psycho and emotional. And, and like, I was all like, oh, I got issues and I want to put it on camera. And um, I got it. So I was really stoked. And I worked with him. And I've never forgotten how much I liked working with Tony. Like, he just had, like, such an incredible director energy. And um, so when he contacted me, however many years ago, about this script, he was like, I've had you in mind for Angela for, like, four years. And I was like, first of all, thank you for thinking about me. Because people don't. And so that's really nice. That's not true. But if it was just really flattering. And I was like, oh, my God, uh, yeah, I'll do it. And he's like, no, 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 no. Can you read the script and, and then tell me if you do? I'm like, I'll read the script, but I'm in. And, and he's like, okay, but seriously, read the script. And so I, 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 read, I read 10 pages and I loved it. And I was like, okay, I promise you I'll finish it, but I'm in. And, and I did finish it. And I was like, yes, I really like it. And he was so incredible to let me have like feedback ever. And he lets me till this day be honest and blunt with him so it's directed by tony and co-written by tony and ryan smith yes what is it about the writing if you can put your finger on it that makes it so unique and gives you that kind of like i can't stop watching this feeling that kind of the movie takes you on this swooping mobility that you're kind of it's like a hang glider ride it just carries you through and you don't want to get off yeah, that was kind of like the biggest part of it, right? That's why I meant like after I started watch, uh, watching, reading the first 10 uh, pages, I, when I read scripts, I, I see them visually in my head, like how I would perform them, like the story kind of weaves in. And if it's a dense script or not written super well, like it doesn't happen that easily. But when you start reading their script, it flows. And I like I had this... Um, it just felt very 90s too, which I really liked. And it had a lot of banter. And I liked that my character had like piss of vinegar and was just kind of like not necessarily like super damsel in distress. It kind of reminded me a little bit of True Romance, which was, you know, in, in a, like a spit of Back to the Future. Right. That's a yeah. great, that's a great analogy. Wow. Yeah. And, and yeah, speaking yeah. of, speaking of like true romance, I mean, you, you got into acting because of uh, watching Pulp Fiction when you were like 10 years old. Hawk, yeah. Like, yeah. Quentin Tarantino had such an effect on my reason I act. Like I, I had a brother, I do have a brother that's six years older than me. And he like taught me how to not get beat up all the time and introduced me to really awesome movies. And so Pulp Fiction and like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino became my favorite because it was his favorite. And so it was like Conan O'Brien. Those were like my heroes as like a 10 year old. And um, yeah, I just remember watching this scene in Pulp Fiction where Uma Thurman goes to the bathroom, does a line of Coke at that age. I didn't know what Coke was. But she like like lifts up and she's like, oh, like that's good or whatever. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I want to do this. And it wasn't the coke. It was like something's happening here. And then she goes sits down at the table and she like talks about how she loves that. Uh, like when she comes back from the bathroom that the food gets uh, like it gets here. And it was just like so relatable and understanding. And I was like, I get this feeling and what's happening. And so as a kid, like I, 
I don't know if I'm autistic or something or my I know my parents didn't teach me a lot. And so my whole life, I thought like humans were like born and bred to only go into music or born and bred to go into movies. Like I did not understand the concept that a human like I could become an actor. So it was like surreal. Once I found out, I was like, oh, I can do that. This could be me. And then here you are in this Quentin Tarantino-esque sci-fi <laughs> horror thriller. And also, did I, I don't know. I also I should mention, I got to meet Quentin when, on my birthday. It was the most amazing thing. We had a screening of The Green Inferno. Hell yeah. We backstage in the green room. And I just got all nerdy and mushy and told him, like, thank you so much for existing because you're half the reason I became an actor and and all this stuff. And he was really, really nice. And and I didn't know that he didn't like taking pictures. And I was like, can you take a picture with me? And he said, yes. And then my roommate was like, can you make him like take a picture with me? And I was like, I already shouldn't have asked him for me. And I did. And then his like uh, girlfriend was like, you should feel lucky because he must like you because uh, he doesn't take pictures with anyone. So it felt really special. And then on top of that, when we were watching that movie, so like in my brain, I'm like, holy shit. My like hero is watching a thing that my face is on. My face is in there. I say words. And so we're sitting in the audience and it's about to start. And all of a sudden I have like, you know, when you feel like you have like not hecklers, but people that are just really loud and they're like kicking the chairs and like, it get, you know, it gets annoying and they're like, whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was about to turn around and say something. And I was like, that is Quentin Tarantino. So I'm going to turn my head back around and trust. keep watching. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. my God. And on, the way, cool. on the way out, I could hear people asking him, hey, can you like take a picture with me? He's like, sorry, like I don't really like taking pictures, but I'll shake your hand. And all of a sudden, he's really nice about it. And I just felt so honored that i got to have a picture with him and he was so kind and this was like my childhood hero that's amazing i'm so i mean i'm a huge fan of tarantino as well that that means a world to me that he that that he acted like that to you that's so great and it was on my birthday it's just like so cosmic and what so you watched the green inferno premiered on your birthday well uh, i think we would seen it with uh, before somewhere i think we saw it in the uh, toronto film festival but this was the first time in la and yeah he was there uh what theater was that do you remember was that new beverly or something like that or yeah where they have the uh handprints where is it called again Oh, the oh, like right on the walk Chinese. of Chinese, yeah. Chinese theater. Yeah. Oh. Chinese, that's right. Yeah. Well, let's let yeah. me let's get it. I mean, Green Inferno is ah, what a fucking movie that is. What a movie that! Is. <laughs> oh my god, wow. you brave, brave soul. Oh my gosh, it was really cool. I mean, so hearing about that, you getting the script or getting an opportunity to audition for this thing. Did you realize what you were in for? um yes and no first of all the script itself like i knew eli roth's work so i kind of knew what that is like and i've worked in film enough that like i could tell sort of like when a director's more like guerrilla style and so i already kind of had this feeling he was going to be more that way it's kind of like loose and go and like raw and um, then when I found out that it was being shot in like South America, I was like, 
cool. I mean, that's another big reason why I love acting. It's like, I love traveling the world for acting. And, um, I was in the audition and I remember the woman being like, so you don't mind that this is like, you would have to go to South America and do this. I'm like, so you're saying if I get this part, I get to not only do the thing I love, but I get to travel the world. Um, yes, I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that sounds amazing. And so, yeah, it was just the way she said it as if she was delivering me a pile of shit. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You do understand everybody said no so far to this question. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't know, but I see that as chocolate. Yeah. Right. Right. The cherry on top. Well, Leo, you had a question about that audition process, right? Yeah. Apparently Green Inferno had this interesting audition process, apparently having the potential actors agree to being vaccinated for yellow fever and to film in locations deep in the Amazonian jungle surrounded by tarantulas, snakes, poison wildlife. What were your experiences in this production? Well, yes and yes and yes to all of that. I used to be terrified of insects and bugs. My phobias kind of come back now that I'm in like back in North America. But when you get there, at some point, you have to surrender to your surroundings because you're constantly, there's bugs on you. They're dropping on you. Like if you're you know, you're, you're on your laptop, right? in the light and there's just bugs flying to the light. And then even if you kind of go to bed, close it, kill all the bugs, there's still things crawling on you, dropping on you. And at some point, either you don't ever sleep or you accept that this is just the way it is. <laughs> oh, man. Nope. Yeah. And there was this, and we did get shots. We got all that stuff. There was this one time, because it was, we were always so tired, right? Because it's a really draining experience. Like, it would stay in this place called Terrapoto, which is already a really, really small town. And then we would drive, I think, like an hour and a half on this, like, uh, in this van to this port town. And then we would take a little wooden um, boat that can only fit, I think, like, what, six people or something so there's a couple of them and we'd have to drive them to or not drive them but like um boat them down two hours to the end of the river it was the last village on the end it was like population 250 people no running water no electricity these kids had never even seen ice ice before so like when we brought sodas they were playing with the ice and they're like you know running around with it it was crazy um pretty sure we destroyed their ecosystem yeah they've never seen cell phones before that uh well they've never even seen like a movie camera nothing right eli brought like a a whole setup so they could watch a movie and i think the movie that they brought it was um cannibal holocaust or is that what it's called? yeah cannibal holocaust that's (laughs) that that's a rumor so that happened yeah yeah it wasn't like cinderella or some disney shit it was like hey this is kind of what the movie's based on you guys cool yeah you've never seen a movie (laughs) or a camera before here's cannibal holocaust yeah apparently the kids loved it everyone was laughing and they thought it was a comedy right yeah, I think so. I think that's pretty much how they took it. And like when we were filming, it was so sweet. So the villagers were our extras and we're like tied behind our back and we're screaming like, fuck you, get the fuck off us, blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? And then as soon as it cuts, like everyone's like laughing, like tee. And they're like lifting our hair and like blowing behind our neck to cool us down. And like, and then we would call uh, rolling or like action and they'd be like, chica runa, chica runa, pulling at us and be screaming and crying. And then it would just be all like friendly and smiling. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Well, what about like <laughs> some of the, the tribes people? Was any of their looks augmented by production or did they, is that the way they looked in their day to day? Well, I definitely know that they put the, the makeup on them. Like okay. the, I think they put all that stuff on them because I do, like, I'm now like kind of trying to remember my, my brain kind of uh, flashes and, in memories in terms of like film i feel like i've lived like 17 yeah, lives you gotta inject um, yourself with uh, james's uh, serum right exactly and sometimes i just have to be like uh, my memory gets jogged i'm like oh yeah that happened yeah they were getting all that stuff added on to them and like the kids loved it the village itself was it, like they didn't have walls it was it was just uh, kind of like bamboo as roofs they didn't accept money as payment. Like they didn't, they couldn't figure out for a while how to like the barter system, what to do to, to give them uh, payment for what they were doing. And so at the end of the movie, they ended up building them all 10 roofs. Oh, to wow. help them through. Yeah. When it rains and gave, gave them all the like onesie article, all the culture, all the, how do you say that? You know, the, oh my God, the study of plants or whatever. I'm trying to say that. I can't. My oh, oh. Agriculture? Thank horticulture. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Cool. One of the cultures. You guys sort of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. Everyone knows I'm an idiot now. <laughs> no. And no. so they got all these like um, those suits so that the men stop because they have like all these cuts and gashes and everything from like providing for their families. And so now they have like, I think, like a hundred of those um, to go and get their food and, and stuff. And then there was also just like, like a duck walking with her little ducklings behind her. There was all these little puppies. There was cats. There was a cow. There was a horse in the way of the, the pot. Like they, sorry, like not the pot <laughs> where you go pee. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I'm not used to talking to humans during COVID. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Neither are we. Did they ever see the finished product? Like, did anybody show them the film when it was I over? I think they did. I think Eli went back and showed them. Wow. I'm pretty certain. Yeah. Like, I wonder what they're doing now. Like, what does their village look like? That's, That's what probably, I'm saying. I hope they did destroy. I really hope we didn't destroy their ecosystem because they were so happy. Like they had such purity in their, in like they didn't have that much clothing and they didn't have a lot. And yeah. so, but they had like such happiness and I wouldn't want us to have destroyed that. Yeah. Then, they all have like just shorts and an iPod probably now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they just watch Eli Roth movies like hostels. Yeah, like right. the big- <laughs> Only Eli Roth movies. Exactly. It's developed so- into this weird culture where they're kicking each other's asses all the time. And, yeah. and Eli Roth, his poster <laughs> yeah. would like, it'd be like a, yeah, you'd <laughs> be their, uh, their hero. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, They also built them because we, so we had to eat, right? at lunch and we had to get back to Terrapoto or like back to the port before the sun went down because we'd be stuck on the island otherwise the water water would get too uh dangerous and so like we only had like this chunk of hours of of light to work and uh yeah so they had to make us food there and they built a kitchen for them so now they also have this like little building that's like a little kitchen and they didn't have that before oh that's so cool doing that plane scene like how crazy was that plane crash oh my gosh it looks so real i was terrified it's crazy it was pretty cool to film that i was wondering how they were gonna do it so they uh 
so it's like a 20 foot scaffolding thing. And then they had this um, machine where they raised us up. It's like a forklift for humans. I don't know. Like a makeshift elevator, but it would only almost go like halfway. So then we'd have to like climb onto the plane from the the elevator thing. And then there's like a in-between where you could fall down like 15 feet. Wow. So you're just like trying oh, to get up there, pull yourself onto the plane because it's like a shell of a plane they actually have. And then we'd pull on the next person, the next person. And then, uh, yeah, they had the plane wrapped around with rope attached to uh, a vehicle so that it would go forward and the plane would go around all the way around a couple what? times. Oh my and God. And then they reverse it and it would go around a couple times the other way. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Was any of that barf real then? My God. No, but like, it was pretty crazy. Like you have seatbelts that barely work. And so you did have to like hold the ceiling because you were upside down. You were I mean, fully. It looks yeah. incredibly realistic. I mean, everything in the movie looks incredibly realistic. Yeah, And the stunt people basically like didn't have to do much because they just fall. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, let's. What about uh, interacting oh, with the prosthetic effects that like Nicotero and Howard Berger did? People getting ripped apart and everything like that. Were they doing that? Like, was that kind of one take? things where you were interacting with that stuff in real time or were we just seeing like reaction shots and they would film that stuff separately how did that work it's kind of co a combination of both like first of all originally i'm so bummed that they didn't end up doing this but i had like i got to go to their offices and get a cast made which you know even if they didn't use it in the film that was a really cool experience i had they had to like hold my arm up for like four hours or something and um, yeah, get a mold of my arm because originally they were going to have it on screen where they like pull it apart and um, cut off the tattoos from oh, my arm. We were going to see the death. Yeah. Oh, and so you were so that we're going to like, yeah, watch them cut these tattoos off of me, which I thought was so awesome. And I really wanted to act was a little bummed when that didn't happen. But um, they did. I don't know if you guys noticed. Some some people think I got away, but they they show the tattoos at the bottom yeah. of the bowl. This is the greatest reveal yeah. ever. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I think it's awesome. I mean, like they're like, why didn't she kill herself? I'm like, did you watch this scene? Yeah. She realizes she <laughs> ate her girlfriend. But okay, um, <laughs> maybe rewatch that scene. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, we were—it uh, was kind of a combination of the, the the camera would watch us as they were like. I think they would be acting it sometimes, but they wouldn't be doing the full effects because you know they would say that for the shot. Yeah. But there were like there were certain shots where it was like uh, the three girls of us, right? Like the woman was checking if we were a virgin. And the lady with the witchcraft and stuff that was out to like pull out his eye, like the camera was, you know, behind her or around it. Like we were all on camera. So we kind of got to see it too and react. That's still horrifying for me to watch. The Boo Crew will be right back. Since the beginning of time, man has lived in terror of the unknown creatures that come up from the depths. Sea serpents, sharks, killer whales, jaws of all kinds, lurking in the awful blackness at the bottom of the sea. Now, the most shocking horror of all, a living tidal wave of terror is coming up from the depths. Rated R under 17, not admitted without parent.
is hard to watch. It was, yeah. it was very, very hard. It's a place like a documentary. Like it really feels <laughs> right. like a documentary, even though like yeah. everything's like it'll it'll fade in a little bit, or that something will be blurry, and then the, like the way the camera tells that story, yeah. it's very will, much like a documentary. Have you guys seen the documentary? Fuck, I wish I knew the name because now it's going to be like me stuttering. It's about a woman. It was a plane and it was um, going from Peru to, I think, I can't remember. But it was an airplane company that obviously does not exist anymore and didn't exist after this plane crash. But they were already having issues like planes were crashing, like the people that worked on it. Their, all their like experience was like working on motorcycles and now they're working on planes and not licensed pilots. But this woman and her mom, they everyone wanted to get home for Christmas. And yeah, obviously, like 40 minutes into it, it's all jolly. Everything's fun. And then all of a sudden she feels like weightless. And the big gentleman that was to her left, as she describes, is gone. And there's fruitcake everywhere. And she was the only sole survivor of this plane crash. And it's impossible, obviously, to survive. But because of the combination of how the wind was going up and her seat was falling and the weather conditions, everything basically blanketed her. Almost like when you did the egg experiment in school. How do you do it to make it not break? Yeah. And she landed in there and she had like a broken uh, collarbone poking out and like, you know, gashes down her back. But like the fact that she survived out of this 195 people was insane. And she couldn't see in the first couple of days, she was just trying to get the energy to get up and knew that she was like really wounded and that there was no way that someone's going to come and find her. So she knew that she had to follow the water out. So she just listened for the water. And when she got the strength, she like found a bag of like gummy bears that were like, cause it was Christmas time. So people had all these sweets and stuff and she found a cake and she went to go eat it, but there was like dirt and bugs. So she spit it out but in the documentary she's like she regrets that because she had to go for uh god it was i think like a 10 day walk out of the the amazon without getting and she teaches us and shows us how like it's dangerous in the water the most dangerous part is the um piranhas piranhas Yeah. And so she had a stick with her and she would kind of do it in front of her on the whole way with the river. And then she would sleep on a rock just out of the river because it's so dangerous to sleep. Obviously, there's um, a lot of poison animals, and insects in the forest. And then, yeah. And so she would at one point and she would just like float and she'd see alligators on the side and they'd like flow in. And she was just like, whatever life is at this point. She's just like, I'm going to try my best until I die. And she'd like look behind her and there's like maggots coming out of her uh, wounds. Oh. And she like, I mean, this woman was a survivor. So there's like a documentary I just watched recently with her. And it just reminds me of that. And it was in Peru. And she talked about some places I've been. And I was like, whoa, I'll, I'll look up the name. It's she's yeah, she's from uh, Germany. But her parents, like after the war, her dad moved to Peru because both her parents were like super nerds and loved the study of plants and animals. And so she knew about what was dangerous to eat, what wasn't. Like for us, we'd be like, well, I'll try eating this and I'll die. And she knew like about the piranhas were like some of the most dangerous parts. Like if you get bit, you're fucked. Yeah, the, you should watch the documentary because there's so many things I want to say, but like, why am I rambling? Sure, on? no, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it's funny. I, 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 the documentary, I believe it's called Wings of Hope. Yes. And it's yep. uh, it's directed by Werner Herzog, 
And it's a story of uh, the German woman, Juliana Kepke, I believe. Yep. It's so good. So good. Highly recommend it. Her husband's kind of in there in the background. She gets to meet the, the uh, there was three men who saved her life at the end. But she finally, like some people wouldn't touch her because they thought she was a demon. She was so like messed up. And the, these three men, they helped her get help. And like, she was so hungry by the end of it. She, she was like seeing these like poisonous frogs trying to grab them and she didn't care. She, like she would die if she ate them. She was just so hungry. She's just trying to grab them, but she's too weak to grab them. Thank God she didn't. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, my experience was not quite that severe, but I do remember I was like, in my head, I went off and I was kind of in this brush and I was writing, uh, like, I like to write poetry because I'm kind of a nerd. And so it's just like in my thoughts and all of a sudden I look down and there's this like big giant red tarantula about to crawl onto my feet. And I just like, <sighs> yeah, you kind of had to get, get used to it. We'd walk through the forest. I remember one of the actors uh, was super freaked out all the time. There, he'd be like, "Is there a bug on me? Is there? Is there? A bug? I feel like there's a bug on me. Is there a bug on me?" <laughs> and like, there was one time a bug on him, and there's like, "There's a bug on you." He's freaked out. It was just like, <laughs> so funny. Wasn't, wasn't there also something like some kids ended up grabbing a, a python that wasn't in the script and dangled it into the cage with you guys or something as well? Yeah, but Eli asked who who wants the snake pointed at their face and i was like i will none of them wanted they're like "Mm -mm." i was like i'll do it that sounds fun sounds weird different um and so the kids were like poking it and pushing in my face it was so yeah it was cool i was like hey if they're gonna touch it i'll do it (laughs) untrained wild (laughs) python exactly and i was like you know if you're gonna die at least this is a cool way to go sure Hey, why not right <laughs> so did you keep were you able to keep the bowl or any of like your tattoo pieces from the movie? no one knows what i stole bowl <clears throat> nice yeah, yeah. yeah. hell yeah. yeah i still have it wrapped in bubble wrap i also have i could not not take something that cool from right? it yeah yeah. And I had one of the um, wooden, it's like wooden shaved poison arrows. Yes. That went, oh, that's yeah. so cool. So nice. I have it. So. Nice. That's badass. You got it. Yeah. You got to take that stuff or else it just I ends up, to. you know, lost forever. Right. I don't it's know true. if I'll get in trouble if this ever gets No, hurt, my God. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just, it was so incredible and special. And I was like, yeah, it's going to get lost and thrown away. And I'm like, I'm going to cherish this forever. Yeah, Exactly. Were you as big a fan of Netflix as you before you got involved in season two? Because we're like, we're addicts of season one. And when we found (laughs) out there was this, oh my God. Yeah, I was uh, a pretty super nerd. So you has been one of the most, like, I still can't believe I was in it kind of experiences. Because I remember watching the first season. So my partner at the time, couldn't watch it it disturbed him too much he was like it's just too fucked up and his brain goes to dark places so when he would sleep i would just watch it so for two days i like binge watched it and i was like i remember sitting up in bed and it's like four in the morning and i'm just like why can't i be on a show like this (laughs) Wow. (laughs) and then like it was a couple like four or five months later and i got an audition for and i was like shut up shut up seriously and then i i got it i was like no shut up 
And then I, I just like I, I felt like everyone was fucking with me because it's like, what? That's no. amazing. I'm so yeah. happy that it went to you. Yeah. Who loves the show so That's much. Awesome. And you're so amazing on and you're such a pivotal role too. Like not only yes, do you get yeah. to be on the show, you get to be Joe's That's mom. Right. I know. That's so cool. It feels like, yeah, that I get to be connected to it and be like his Forever. Up mom. Yeah. yeah. And like the and I got to like work with him, which was so special. And both those actors that were in the scene, they were just so talented. I was like, oh, my God, I was so affected just watching them. It was such an intense day, just like being there. The way that that show is put together and the way it's written, as you said, I mean, there's something about it. It's brilliant storytelling and the way they trick the viewer into thinking with Joe's thoughts. You think you justify what he's doing on oh, this yeah. journey when you're you're experiencing it through his eyes. Yeah. Is I mean, it's well, an insane he, magic trick. Well, he not only does the audience have to be justified, he has to be justified. And so I find it because I watch true crime all the time. I'm obsessed with like uh, murder shows and all that stuff. And it for some reason, I have extreme anxiety, but that soothes me like that calms me down. I don't know if it's just like understanding or trying to understand the psychology of humans and psychopaths and sociopaths and why people snap and why $10,000 is worth killing your daughter over all that stuff fascinates me and learning people's stories. And so it was nice to like watch a show. Cause I know with those people, they have to have reasons in their head at some point. It doesn't like, especially with like a sociopath, they're like, the reasoning has to come somewhere. And, uh, and so it's just kind of interesting to watch a show where, yeah, I could buy where he's coming from. I can, I can buy why he thinks that, that he's protecting someone. I could see why he thinks his love is different than someone else's. I was a teenage girl. My obsession, I didn't think was an obsession, but yes, it was. And, but I thought it was just really pure love. But like, if you look at it, it was kind of like obsession. If you're like putting that much time and attention into someone, it's not healthy. But we all know that. But yeah, we all we all go through those times where we are Joe. Like really, yeah, yeah exactly. Got like we we go online extent. and we stalk our exes or whatever, or see what they're up to, or we miss them, or like, are they really as happy with this new person as they were with me? How did it feel like to be on the interior of that machine and to see the mechanics of how that show is constructed? Was it everything you thought it would be, or how did it how did it surprise you in ways? No, it was everything I thought it would be. It was magical. It was pure. It was, it was, this, it was like literally riding a unicorn for me. I just, just everyone was so nice. All the writers were so nice. Like the producers, the makeup, hair, crew. I mean, the actors were so special. Everyone cared so much about their characters. Like that doesn't always happen. Some people just read their pages and like, for people to really have input on their stories and, and just doing read throughs with them and listening to them and watching them. Like, even if I had two scenes in there, I get to just watch them do this whole, it was like watching them do a play. It was so good. And just like, i like, I think the read throughs were my favorite. They were so powerful. I'm so excited for season three. Oh, is that confirmed? Season three? I think so. Yeah. yeah. 2021. And are, I mean, I, I you know, know you probably can't say much, but are you uh, going to be involved? 
I can't say. Oh, well, and the, the, everyone's saying that rumor is right. Pen apparently, Pen Pen Badgley, as oh, I God. affectionately refer to him. My God, said that the end of right, the end of season two. Everyone was saying, "Oh, that's Joe's mom at the end." <laughs> And then he's like, no, it isn't. But they can change things, right? They could change things. But she's going to show up. Come on. We hope so anyway. Yes. I know you can't say anything, but. We could always talk after season three. Right, right? exactly. It's true. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. Um, all right, all right. And Penn is like such a, like, I never watched, um, what was that show he was on? Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. Yeah. I never watched that, but, um, so I had no idea what to expect as an actor, but he was a very like down to earth, nerdy, awesome book guy. Like I could talk to him about anything. It was really fun to like learn about his views on the world and thoughts. And like, he's been married, I think to his wife for like five years. I mean, he just seems like a really like not an actor. Right. He's in a band too, right? He sings. Yeah. It's badass. <laughs> so let- Oh, what, what were you going to say? Sorry. I, I have no idea. I don't want to interrupt any Penn Badgley. No, I just, I, I think he's, he's wonderful and he's super just, God, he does a good job. Well, let's circle back to Volition. Angela comes to us as a mystery and she's very much at the core of the story. And if we don't care about her character or her mystery, it could destroy the immersiveness of the whole thing. What were some of the choices you made in bringing her to life that tell us just enough to care about her and develop a rapport with her while still preserving some of that mystique? Was that a challenge? I think it's like a combination, though, like that has to come with me and the director and the writers. Right. Like we we talk about it and I know my story. Sometimes they had their version of story, but we never really necessarily said exactly where we thought she came from we had we kind of alluded to different things and we had um we both kind of had an air of mystery of what we we had set inside and so if that makes sense it's almost like tony brought his secret and i brought my secret and so he filmed my secret with his secret typically you know films are filmed out of sequence and this movie plays out as not all is what it seems did you know the ending to the script going in or were parts of it kept as a surprise to you? No, we knew it. Um, I remember uh, reading the first script and Tony was like, ah, there might be some rewrites. And this is the part where he let me be brutally honest. And so he sa- he sent the new one to me and I was like, so when you say brutally honest, like how much percentage of that is true? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like more than a hundred seriously. And I was like, okay. I don't know what you did to the script, but it does not exist anymore. It's like you put it in a blender and just left the top open and it went all over the roof. Like it did. I was like, where did it go? The heart, everything about it that made it special was gone. And I think it was that they took so many, they had done so many revisions, but they were getting there's so many notes from different people and they wanted to make everyone so happy. And so after I said that, the, him and Ryan went back and sat down and they just really kind of actually refocused, like what were they trying to do initially? And um, when we got the script back, I was like, yes, buddy, that's what I'm talking about. And there were some changes, but it was like the right changes. And I it was like, I don't know what you guys fucking did, but you did it. And um, so we did have the ending. Adrian is a rock star and I actually learned a new trick from him should have been doing this before, but 
because he has so many different points of emotional reference in this script and he has to remember okay so when this happens what happened before this he had a whole like book laid out by the timeline and emotional levels and the scenes where he should be and what has happened and so I think Tony had the same thing but it was really incredible to see Adrian do that and like I don't think he's done a lot of acting roles too it just really impressed me and I am absolutely going to start doing my scripts like that is just it was beautiful all of it was like really beautiful to watch because like I said not every movie or show you get to work on is always about the work and the story like a lot of egos come into play surprise surprise so when you get to work with a bunch of actors who and, and directors and writers and producers and again crew who care about what they're doing, they're not getting paid a lot, they just want to do this, it means the world and it's a very special memory. Also a fady memory because Ryan and Tony didn't really know the concept of shooting night for day okay. or day for night. Yeah. So they would just have a lot of night shoots. So we did it all at night. So we were always tired because, you know, humans are not necessarily used to just working from like nine to six in the morning kind of thing. But it was really cool. And we would have this saying, it was like, we'd be like, night shoots! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Anytime everyone, anyone was getting really tired, it'd be like, night shoots! Part of the cool thing about being able to see this on VOD is that we could rewatch it over and over again, which is a lot of the people, when you go and look at a lot of the festival reviews, a lot of people yeah. are like, oh, shit, I mean, it was amazing, but God, I wish I could watch it all over again because there's things I know I missed and I would love to see. Is there anything, uh, you know, that you were aware of that people should maybe pay special attention to or little Easter eggs or little hints that they should catch, that they can catch cool. that, that might, you know, they might miss on the, on the first or second viewing? Okay, so first of all, I was one of those people. It took me three times to realize what the ending was. Second of all, there's not one ending. It's an interpretive ending. So that's also, I really love stories like that. It, they piss me off, but I also really love that. I, I want to be able to like have my imagination go off, but still have some closure. And then also be just aware to look around like not just the people let's hear like what's happening in the background sometimes i guess that's the best i could do yeah I that's know. great that's great yes, no i yes, love yeah, uh, i love what yeah. you're saying too about that you know having an endings that are a little bit ambiguous because those are really the films that you take home with you and not you know we're obviously watching it at home but you know what i mean you see it stays with you and you think about it for days after what was that about and it, it, it sparks conversation and those are the films that you yeah. know you stick to. I mean, even look you. at True Romance. Like, I still don't know. Did he survive? Did he, you know, did they make it? Did they go to jail? Did they, what happened? But I hope they lived happily ever after and they, you know, made it to like Thailand. What? Right. There you go. Do you ever go visit the, uh, was it the Safari Inn in Burbank on Olive where they shot a lot of that? <laughs> I do. I want to stay there. I have a buddy. Um, I worked with him on Continuum. And every time him and his girlfriend go to L.A., they stay at the safari. I'm like, fuck you. I love that. But I was living in L.A., so I didn't really need to like stay in a hotel. Now I'm tempted. I've always been tempted. Going to horror for a sec. What are your benchmark horror films as far as a viewer? Things that you love? Ooh, shit. That's a difficult one. <sighs> I mean, I feel like it's such a 
lame answer, but like Scream is one of my favorites, but that's because it makes fun of everything I loved growing up. Sure. I loved the 80s horrors. Like I love Jason. I love Halloween. Like I love all the classics. I loved Freddy Krueger. Like Nightmare on Elm Street was my jam, my blueberry jam. I fucking rented that shit all the time. It gave me nightmares and I still watched it and loved it. And I mean, I have a toy of uh, Freddy Krueger. Like I, I, I remember dressing up as Freddy Krueger for Halloween. Like he haunts my dreams, but I love him. <laughs> Lauren's terrified of Freddy yeah. Krueger. That's like the only horror film she cannot watch is Freddy Krueger. Yeah. yeah, it's so visceral and he does such a good job like robert england and like even the one where um so the last one where it's uh all meta yes where, a new nightmare yeah. yeah yeah so that one it was kind of i what um they were saying was like the prelude to where he got a scream because he was kind of trying it out with that it didn't quite work but then he got to to really fine-tune it and make scream Wes Craven got to like fix what he was trying to do in that. And so when you watch it, you see the, the building blocks of where scream happened because he started it there and it's really creepy. And yeah, so I just love meta horror because then that also fucks with your brain and you just go in loops and loops and loops. Um, at least I do. Yeah. I don't know what it is about being scared. I think it just goes back to the whole um, true crime thing. Like, I'm just fascinated by why psychos do what they do. I hear you're a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! <Night shoot! laughs> That's right. Uh, yes. Do you have a favorite episode? Oh, God. I think um, there's two. One is the, the one where um, uh, Willow... I think it's when um, Willow goes with Anya and they go into that alternate di- like dimension. Oh, yeah. Three, and where um, was it the master or angel that kills Buffy? I forgot. So one it's of them kills Buffy. So long. Or no, I think it was the master. He snaps yes, her neck. Yes. And then uh, Oz kills Willow against the um, stake. And then they flash back to the reality before you see her completely turn to ash. And then the the episode where Oz cheats on Willow and leaves and she's just that scene where she was like, he's like, I just need to get away from people. And she's like, well, you know, the world is kind of full of people. So it was kind of a flaw in your plan. And she's just so heartbroken and and he's heartbroken. And I just like could relate to those feelings of where love just sometimes isn't enough. And, you know, you can work through things. And the metaphors in Buffy are so incredible. The fact that like, you know, obviously like the monsters and the demons, they're all based off like, or at least in my mind, like uh, the LGBT to LGBT, my dyslexia. No, you know LGBTQ. Plus, thank you. And um, and racism and different races and everything. And um, it was, yeah, it's just, I think it's a beautiful me- metaphor for the, the, the pain that we go through in life. And 
I was in a lot of pain as a teenager and that was an hour of my life that for a second made me believe in hope and magic and that I was going to be okay, that there's something worth living for. And there wasn't a lot of that in the nineties where as women, you felt like there's going to be something that, that like, that makes you worth it. Like it was a man's world. And I always thought like there wasn't like, it was going to be a time limit on my life and like shows like that empowered me. Yeah, so I still watch it all the time. I find Buffy to be like a story of a girl who has too many responsibilities, too young, and has to deal with them. And it just gets too much, too much. And sometimes like you just want to give up, but she can't. And when she does, but uh, like I, I've been there emotionally. I think I am there emotionally. And then like Angel is about redemption. And I cannot stress how hard I feel his pain in terms of there is never, ever enough you could do to, to redeem your pain and the things that you regret. So I love those shows. Wow. That's, I've never heard it so, so spoken so eloquently yeah, before. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And the best thing is years after my teens, I got to tell uh, Joss this in person no way yeah and he basically said the same thing and we were at comic-con he was like wow like i'm gonna hear a lot of compliments you know obviously about buffy this weekend but like i've never heard someone say it like that like because it was just it was the same kind of idea of what i was saying to you and like i just wanted to thank him for helping me get through my teens in my 20s yeah it's such a good show like i want our 11 year old to start watching yeah she re- honestly she is pushing it on our 11 like, year old all the time you should really watch buffy it's on really her. just buffy. like here slide it yeah. down slide it. she's watching stranger things right now yeah, so she's, she's like yeah. really into that and then she was watching sabrina the the new one and yeah the chilling we, adventures the of old sabrina. one was great I, yeah, the old one was great too. i was like watch that one but she's seen the darker <laughs> one and i think now she's gonna be like what is this yeah exactly I just, the, the, i felt like oh god i, I don't want to talk smack about anything but like i feel like the new one is trying to cram a little too much Instead of it like being more, I don't know. I felt like the original Sabrina was more uh, authentic. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. No, no, I'm trying no. To say. I get that. And I had to. We had to stop her because I didn't realize like how dark it was for eleven year old. So like oh, I wow. put a kibosh yeah. on it. So she she hasn't seen like the full first season. Yeah. Um. But I told her that she can because we started watching it. And I'm like, you can revisit it later. But like start what, age with Buffy. 14? Good question. Uh, 18? 18. Wow. <laughs> wow. See, I watched, okay I watched horror and like from dusk till dawn when I was like 10 or whatever, like 9, 10 was when I was watching all these horror movies like Antonio Banderas. had all those just like such bloody movies when I was younger. I turned out fine. Yeah. No, I I agree. I I'm not worried about the blood because if you've seen you you haven't seen our house, but like we have like gory stuff like a broken leg, there's a body on our dining room table. Like this house Not a real body. Just the way you say no, no, it, it sounds like Grandpa Now you're putting it in my brain. Like I didn't think it was a real body, but now you put it in my brain that I think right. it's a real body. <laughs> she knew what I was saying. Um, but I think it's like the whole there were like orgies. I don't want my 11 year old to see orgies with people i don't, I don't know i got to that part yeah, there i are, think i stopped watching before that so i totally understand that 
Though I did see uh, this movie, I think it's called Threesome, or there was a threesome happening in the movie, and then the next scene, the guy tries to cut off his dick. And um, Yeah, and I can't remember. I don't know what movie this was. I don't know if it was that one or if it was a movie I'll never, ever know, but I just, that seared in my brain since I was a little kid, and it was under the ages of two numbers. So... Yeah, I just remember like he wanted to kill himself. I don't I think he thought like the woman didn't love him as much as the other guy. And then the both of them came in to to show him that like they love him. And it was beautiful. It was just, yeah, really graphic and intense. That's insane. Wow. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> but I mean, like with um yeah, just Buffy and I'm mean, Angel, like I push it on a lot of people who've seen Buffy. First I push Buffy on people and then I push Angel on them. I'm like, watch it. Are you much of a collector of that stuff? Did you end up like getting into any of the merch or? Oh, here we go. Well, I have my little angel nice. box nice. right there. That's awesome. Uh, how many seasons is Angel? Uh, angel is five seasons. Wow. It was on for a while. Yeah, I never really, I never watched. I mean, Lauren, you got me into Buffy and I started watching my way through that, but I never, I wasn't able to catch up to Angel. Yeah. Yeah. Was it going oh God, at the same time? Serious? Were they both going on at the same time? The first three seasons were overlapping with the last three seasons. Four, five, six. Well, yeah. maybe you can watch it with Scarlet. Seven. Yeah. Four. Yeah. We'll Everything. Take on a father-daughter journey. Sorry, no, actually the four, four, first four seasons of Angel was overlapping with the last four seasons of Buffy. Very cool. All right. So I my- can't believe you haven't finished it. The last season of Angel is the best. At least there's something to look forward to. It's, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not trying to push on you, but I am. It's just really <laughs> powerful. <laughs> I'm excited. Seriously, I'm stoked. Like, the, because, like, again, I'm into metaphors that how intense the last season gets and what they're fighting for means so much to me. Like, I still think about it and I haven't seen it in the last episode in years because it's so intense and I have a hard time revisiting it but now i've gotten my ex into it and i can't wait to revisit it but i know it's going to be like really yeah oh all right i know what i'm watching tonight <laughs> so magda what's uh what's in your immediate future what's going on COVID 19 yeah right it's fucking up everything it really is um honestly i'm just kind of taking this time to dye my hair purple which it is actually i tried to dye indigo and then this happened because i forgot that i tried to dye it pink first ah science um and then i cut my own hair looks cute thank you i cut it too short but it at least it's not like jagged everywhere i was just in the mirror and i was just trying to make it like have some layers and then it turned short (laughs) i was like stop put the put the scissors down magda stop and then there's all these just like random projects i have doing like taxes and uh, arranging my sticker collection yesterday sticker and, collection wow like puffy yeah. stickers oily smelly stickers no, I make like, like a fun little lighters for friends so i'll like put stickers around them and then put tape around it and just like write words on them and, that's cool just on your own or do you have an etsy shop i should have people tell me i should but like for for crew members a lot of times like a I'll do that as a crew gift and like through the whole project, it'll take me uh, coming home every night to like work on it. And I take something like personal that I've discussed with the person and I want to give them like a, like a phrase of hope or inspiration. And uh, like, 
I remember at the end of Volition, um, everyone was like, how the fuck did you do this? Like, where, where was the time that you actually made like 45 lighters for people? I just had magazines <laughs> right. everywhere and I'd cut out because it was like a serial killer note and you cut out letters and everything and then tape it on there. Pretty crazy. That's amazing. Well, one day. Maybe you can send us one. We'd love one. I will, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. Give, me, give me an address and I'll send it to you. Oh, that'd be Except awesome. For, can I send a lighter over the border? If it, like, I do remember I tried to send home my mom a painting I did for her for Mother's Day of this, like, mouse-eating pizza. And I think the border kept it because it never got to my mom. Like, <laughs> what? It was the weirdest um, thing, yeah. <laughs> That's so oh. weird. Was it massive? Oh, that's really yeah. strange. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, someone maybe it just got lost in the mail, it. I guess. Yeah, a custom yeah, guy they liked it. They liked it. Like, They're like, I'm going to put this on my wall. Yeah. I've always wanted a picture <laughs> right. of a mouse in a pizza, and that was yeah, it. Yeah, someone's staring at it right now while being cavity searched <laughs> in some immigration <laughs> officers. <laughs> oh, man, they're so scary. <laughs> <laughs> immigration is terrifying I, oh my gosh there. it's the uh, every time i had crossed back and forth yeah it, it makes you feel like you've like committed a crime or something it was like exactly horrible. and i swear the more honest i am the more they don't believe me yeah exactly like i've never done drugs officer <laughs> what yeah all right you've never done drugs okay getting it whatever it's like wow it's terrifying exactly <laughs> Well, Magda, thank you so much for taking the time with us today we absolutely adore yeah. you and all of your work seriously. yes Thank you for having me. This is awesome. You're so fun. You guys have good chemistry. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You guys should get married and stuff. Thank you. Well, that would be weird for me. Yeah, that would be weird for Liam. Yeah, yeah. Liam, sign off. Sign off. (laughs) That was the Boo Crew Podcast episode 141. Special thanks to our guest, Magda Apinovich. At time of release, check out Volition on VOD now. Follow Magda at Magda A. That's M-A-G-D-A-A-E-H on Instagram and Twitter. If you like this episode, check out episode 47 with David Yarveski and episode 50 with Seth Green and Claire Grant. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.